Morning, everybody. Praise the Lord. All right. Nice. Nice. I don't know what's quite happening up here in terms of the uh, my little guitar rig and guitar setup. I was ready to go, and then it just kind of quit on me. I thought perhaps I was hearing from the Lord <laughs> shortly after that, who I think was prompting me to take a third offering for that Marshall stack. <laughs> right, Bill? You, can you feel it? You feeling it? Okay. But, you know, but I'll wait on that for a little while, you know. Um, confirmation, yes. One of the things I'd like to talk about a little bit this morning. Because, we're, yeah, we're going to continue um, with our uh, discussion or with my presentation of the Holy Spirit, although I would like to wish everybody a happy Memorial Day. And uh, it really is an important day for us to take some time to remember people who... Really, the day is about people who made the ultimate sacrifice. It's about those who died in action, in combat, serving this country. And uh, I was never a military person. Uh, I wasn't brokenhearted or sad about that because right when I would have been a military person, Vietnam was happening. And so when my number came up as 243, which I still remember to this day, my draft number, 243, I... And my girlfriend at the time and everybody else was real happy about that. So I wasn't going to Vietnam. But uh, I certainly have come to respect service to the military. And obviously it is of major significance and we would not be where we are today. I, I, I just sometimes wonder what the military is going to look like if we ever need it anytime in the near future. But that's another topic, I guess, for another day. Anyway... Um, so I'm wondering if we could get those who have served in any branch of the armed forces, if you could stand just for a minute so we can let you know that we love what you've done and appreciate what you've done. Got some veterans. There we go. Stand. Yeah. That, I never knew that my mother was a veteran of the, I just happened to walk in at the right moment, I guess. Anyway, okay, so happy Memorial Day, everybody, and uh, God bless those of you who have worn the uniform and have served this nation, and uh, it is much appreciated. Uh, the title of the message that I'm going to share with you, as I said, it'd be a continuation from some of the things that we've been after for the last little while, is the Spirit who makes us holy. That's, um, this, is, this has been the target for me for like since we started this thing, at least to lay this down as a foundational statement. And uh, yeah, I commit to it each week and um, find that I'm embellishing the embellishment with more embellishments. And uh, so I'm doing my best this morning just to kind of get really right to the point and say what's really been on my heart to, to say, which is the, the fundamental, most fundamental basic aspect of the work of the Holy Spirit is he is working in our lives to make us holy. What does that mean? Now, someone may be hearing that and just thinking, make us holy, are you serious? You know, holy, do we, you know, but we have, we're under this injunction by God, a command by God. I am holy and you are to be holy as I am holy. So this is, this is built in, baked into the cake, so to speak. But here we are, we are so far from anything holy by our, in our natural lives, in our natural selves, that it seems like um, an, un, an absolutely unreachable goal. 
holy. But the, if we see or, or if we understand the, the concept of holiness as like sinless perfection, absolute moral, impeccable moral purity, well, yeah, it's kind of out of reach. Doesn't mean we can't be moving towards it. We should be moving towards it. And a major work of the Holy Spirit is to do the work of sanctification. And that sanctification is what this holiness is all about. But it isn't necessarily all about moral perfection. It is about belonging to God. You see, when you and I give our lives to Christ, we become his. You are not your own, says the Bible, but you are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are the Lord's. So when we came to Christ, we now belong to him. He owns us, and his ownership of us is what makes us holy. Kind of like the story in, um, in Isaiah chapter 6, where Isaiah says, I was in the temple in the year that King Uzziah died. I was in the temple, and I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and his, and his train filled the temple. And so while Isaiah is there and worshiping, and of course it's an important event in the, in the history of Israel, because King Uzziah, if you remember King Uzziah, he was this king that kind of got a little too big for his britches one day and decided that he was just going to go into the house of God and he was just going to offer a sacrifice. And so he walked into the house of God and he decided that, hey, the priest can do it. Why not me? I can do that too. And so when he went in, he did whatever it was, but he came out real quick and he found out that he had leprosy and God had str- smitten him with leprosy. And uh, he didn't live a whole lot longer. And so Isaiah is noting that event. He says, in the year that King Uzziah died, because this was a great travesty, this was, a, this was a great sacrilege for the king to do this. And he paid a huge price. But anyway, Isaiah is, is there in the temple and he says, I saw the Lord. The Lord was in the temple. He was high and lifted up. I saw his, his majestic entourage all around him, angels, and, and the angels singing, you know, or, or, or declaring as they do in the presence of God, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. And, and, and he, as he beholds this thing, he becomes extremely conscious. And, and this, is, this it kind of fits into what Uh, I'm referring to this morning, he becomes extremely conscious of the fact that he is not holy. He actually says, woe is me. He's shuddering at the presence of God. He's trembling at the presence of God and saying, woe is me because I'm a man of unclean lips. Now this is a prophet of God. This is Isaiah. Okay, this guy is like a major player certainly in the Old Testament, major, significant uh, prophet of God in the Old Testament. But when he really sees the Lord, when he comes into genuine living contact with God, all he's aware of is how unholy he really is. His lips are unclean. He, He says, I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. And so as he's pondering his own um. Uh, spiritual situation, his own uncleanness before God. He says, I I saw an angel and an angel went to this uh, altar and he took his tongues and he picked up a coal from from the brazen altar. And then he came over to me with this coal in the tongues and he touched my lips. That'd scare you. Huh? But when he touches Isaiah's lips, he sanctifies him. And it makes sense that he touched his lip. He's a, he's a mouthpiece 
for God. He's a spokesman for God. He's a prophet for God. And, and, and yet he becomes clean and, and, and prepared for spiritual service by this act of God which has sanctified him. And there's, there's a real important lesson in all of that. That when God takes us in, he touches us in such a way that he makes us holy. We, we ourselves can never attain holiness. We could try for the rest of our life to try to be morally impeccable, morally perfect, absolutely righteous, absolutely sinless. And you'd probably get about two or three hours into that and that'd be the end of that project. That'd be the end of that experiment. Because it's just, because sin is so deeply ingrained in this old nature and it's something that we struggle with all the time. But when God calls us into his family, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We have been born of the spirit of God, born anew. There's a new somebody born in me. There's a new, a new life has been born in me, and this is what's important to realize. That life is holy. That life is sinless. That life is perfect. And if I can just put that life in the driver's seat, we'll be in good shape. That's the key. Walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh is what scripture says, right? So it's a matter of having that new life that has been given to us as a gift by God, a free gift. Wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen? Right? And so we have this gift of new life, but this, this gift of new life is in fact nothing else but or no one else other than the spirit of the Lord himself, the spirit who makes us holy. And so, um, so last week I asked Pastor Joe to speak, and um, I did that absolutely intentionally. I, I had heard all of those stories that he had uh, shared with you last week. I, I knew those stories. I figured that he would share them. I wanted him to share those things because I, I wanted us to be mindful of the fact that a, a significant aspect of the work of the Holy Spirit has to do with the miraculous and the wonderful and the supernatural and all of that. Okay, that, that is important. Although I do have to address one thing with, with Pastor Joe. Okay, now, now Pastor Joe has uh, told you last week that, and he, he made it to sound like he walked into our church sometime on, and I just said, hey, what's your name? Pastor Joe, you want to preach next week? No, I did not. I did not. Now let me tell you something, that's never going to happen here. Somebody walks in the door, and goes, hey, well, you tell you want to preach next week? Now here's, now here's what happened. I knew pastors, see, see, he's, he wants to fight me now, right? He's ready. Come on, Pastor Joe, put up your dukes, fella. No, but here's what, this, this is the, this is this honest story. This is the truth. I knew Pastor Joe probably for two or three years prior to that because I knew John Keita. And Pastor, were you John Keita's um, best man? That's what he called it. That's what, right? But I mean, now John, you what? She said I was the best man too. Okay. Uh, in a very, in a very methodical way. Okay. Yes. Probably something. Just take that thought and just discard that one. Bing. Yeah. But anyway, 
So, so I had talked with John many times. I had met Pastor Joe a couple of times. I knew he had pastored for many years. You don't remember? You don't remember pastoring for many years? Maybe I shouldn't have asked Pastor Joe to be up here preaching next week. I don't know. No. No. But that, that's, really, that's really the story. Because like I said, nobody's... There, I, if the Lord Jesus walked in here this morning, I would say, hey, you want to preach next week? Matter of fact, I might just go, it's all yours, Lord. Take it away. Okay. But that's, uh, that's kind of the... But anyway, knowing what Pastor Joe would share, and, and the, some of the stories that Pastor Joe was sharing last week are a tall order, Right? To listen and to uh, this amazing things that God has done. But I, I absolutely love, trust Pastor Joe. I know he's an absolutely honest man with a heart for Jesus. And he wouldn't get up here and deceive anybody. And, and it, we, he made that clear when we talked about this in advance. But I wanted to put that on the table that the Holy Spirit is a wonder-working power. He, he does the supernatural. He heals sick bodies. He... Yes. Yeah. Right. So I'm not trying to call into question anything. I'm just saying that for people who were here listening, they might have been going, yeah, I don't know, it's going to... But he, I wouldn't have him up here if I didn't know him as well as I know him, have come to know him. And of course, Pastor Joe, you, four years now you're with us? That's amazing. See what happens if you give a guy a little bit of a break, you know? <laughs> anyway, but... Like, I don't have quite as many um, spectacular stories like that, but I have had 40 years of walking with the Holy Spirit and, and trusting and leaning on and looking to and seeking for the direction of the Holy Spirit. And um, so I, I'm, I'm inclined to kind of bring uh, another perspective to all this this morning. So... Um, as important as it is to know that the Holy Spirit brings like supernatural, miracle-working uh, power to the church, it's also equally important to know that much of the th- many of the things that the Holy Spirit is, does in our life are way below the radar screen like that, okay? As a matter of the, the overwhelming bulk of the work that the Spirit of God is doing in our lives is really often only perceived by us in the inner stillness of our heart because we know that like, the Holy Spirit, one way you can tell whether or not the Holy Spirit is actually speaking to you about something is he won't quit. He will stay with it and with it and with it. Now, Scripture says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit by which you are sealed into the day of your salvation. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. To grieve means to send someone away sorrowful. That's the meaning of the term, right? If you've grieved somebody, it's like you've broken their heart. You sent them away. So to grieve the Holy Spirit is after he has tried and tried and tried to communicate, to get somebody across, and, I, and, and I'm just like, I don't want to hear that. Okay, then there will be a point in which the Holy Spirit will give it up. And, but it will be a, a huge loss because his leadership, his direction, his encouragement, everything that's happening in our lives regarding our walk with Jesus and, and, uh, and, and this new birth and our salvation is all being initiated, overseen, directed, and will be brought to completion by the work of the Holy Spirit. He's doing it all. He's doing it all. The Father did his part in, in, all of, uh, in, in the work of creation and all that he has put together. 
Uh, the Son did His part in coming in, giving His life to redeem us. And now the Holy Spirit, He's the major player. He's the one who's getting it all done. Jesus is now seated at the right hand of the Father, right? So, so Jesus has departed, but just before He left, and so we would know, hey, listen, I'm not, I'm not just bailing out on you guys. I've got a, a gift to give to you. So when, when the Spirit of truth comes, He will lead you into all truth, and He will take what is mine, and He will make it known to you. So a, a primary aspect of the working of the Holy Spirit, I believe, is this work of holiness, or what I mean by that, I, I do mean the, the idea of uh, sanctification and moral improvement and growth in, whole, growth in righteousness and in righteous living, and that's all important. But the real thing is, have you given your life to Christ? In other words, have you said, I don't own this thing anymore? I manage it as unto you. Because that is the way that life is supposed to be. As long as I still am the owner of my life and I am making all the choices and making all the decisions and it's all about my, my great plan and my great, then um, I will not be fully entering into what God has for my life. I will still be walking out. I can, I can be saved. I'm not saying that that negates or disqualifies ones from salvation. But... Holiness for us is basically saying, God, I belong to you. You show me what door you want me to walk through, and I'm there. You show me where you want me to go or, or how you want me to serve or what you want me to do. Uh, and make it clear, because I'm pretty stupid. I'm pretty spiritually uh, you know, obtuse half the time, and so it takes a lot, and, and the Holy Spirit is good with that. Yeah, he'll keep at it and keep at it and keep at it because he knows we're pretty obtuse and pretty stupid and pretty spiritually dense and also pretty committed to our own personal agenda. Amen? Amen. Yeah. So, so anyway, um, this is where, you know, I have, this is what I wanted to get off my chest now for the last, you know, I don't know, six weeks. <laughs> no, we got a long ways to go here this morning. So, um, so what I did is I just, you know, I've been doing my homework and doing my research and put, compiling all my stuff, and I, I found a list of 50 things that the Holy Spirit does in our lives. 50 things. Have you ever, ha ever, have you ever heard a 50-point message? That could, that could be daunting for both of us. Probably just as hard for me. But I whittled it down. I whittled it down from 50 to 10. Okay, and so what I've got for you this morning is 10 ways that the Holy Spirit works in our lives, but I, I had to just throw a couple more in there because the, <laughs> they're so good. So anyway, I guess you'll just have to stick around and figure out how many we got for you this morning, but here's, here's a, a verse of scripture that's found in the book of Romans, and it says this, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. And now this is a very basic, very fundamental aspect of being led by the Spirit. You know, when I, when, when I think of being led by the Spirit, I want to think of hearing important direction coming from him and what I should do and where I should go and 
who I should talk to and who I should write, these kinds of things or what country I should go be an apostle in or whatever it may happen to be, right? I'm looking for, I'm, I'm thinking along those lines, but the reality is the leading of the Spirit is it is fundamentally uh, set up to, to lead me to put to death the deeds of the flesh so that I can then live in the Spirit and experience the blessings of spiritual life. Amen. Amen. So that's, it's, it's nuts and bolts, right? It's, it's not spectacular most days, but it is fruitful in the long run. It's like the most looking at Scott's face over here. Thinking, How many hours, Scott, have you put into playing piano in your life? Would it, countless, right? Would it even be possible? No, many hours. And, and was it spectacular all the time? When you're right, but most of the things that are fruitful in our life just require that kind of disciplined practice of walking in it, learning in it, learning it, um, getting getting more adept, getting a little faster and a little quicker, and all of that. And and that is characteristic also of our relationship with the Lord and uh, our understanding of the work of the Holy Spirit that's going on in our life. So. I want to look at 10 ways the Holy Spirit works in our lives, and I want to conclude with what I believe may be the most important one. So, um, number one, he regenerates us. Okay, what does that mean? That's a big Bible word, regeneration. It means to be raised from the dead. That's really what it means. To be regenerated means to be raised from the dead the dead. And you who were dead, Ephesians chapter 2, and you who were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the other, as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love, with he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions and sin, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you are saved. And raised us up to be seated together with him, that in the ages to come, we might, he might show us the exceeding richness of his grace. You have been raised from the dead. Okay, raised from spiritual death. Before any of us came to know Christ, we were spiritually dead men walking. We didn't know who, where we were from, what life was all about, and just kind of bouncing off the walls somewhere trying to figure out the path, trying to figure out the way, making all kinds of mistakes, doing all kinds of things wrong, doing many things that are know, knowing that we're doing wrong. And, and that was the condition that, that, that everyone is in before Christ comes into our life. But when Christ comes into our life, we wind up being raised from the dead. So it's important to know that you've been regenerated and the work of the regeneration, the work of regeneration is a work of the Holy Spirit. He has raised you from the dead. Why? So that you could serve the true and living God. So that your life could be a meaningful life while you live down here. So that you can accomplish eternal and everlasting purposes. So that you can lay up for yourself eternal treasure in heavenly places. Which will never be corrupted. Will never be, um, n- never be destroyed. So, um, number one, he regenerates us. Oh, I forgot the verse. He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, 
by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. See, there's the, there, are, there are other verses that could be used as well. By the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. So this, re, this work of regeneration uh, and renewal is a work of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. This is, this is the ultimate miracle. This is the ultimate healing. Right? This is really, like when, when Scripture says, by his stripes we are healed, it, sure, it applies to, uh, we'll, we'll pray for sick people and certainly b- believe that, that that punishment that Jesus endured also serves to be that which, which affords healing to our bodies. But the real, I think the real understanding of that verse is that because of the punishment that Jesus himself bore on the cross, I'm a brand new person. I've been set free. I've been delivered. I am healed of everything um, that was, that, of all my soul's diseases. You know where it says in, in uh, what is it, Psalm 102, where it says, uh, bless the Lord, O my soul, and, uh, and, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who heals all your diseases. What diseases are those? The diseases of the soul right? Because that's, this, our soul is eternal. The body is going to, the body's going to perish, it's going to be gone, it's going to someday be in the dustbin. But the soul goes on, and so the soul right now is being, um, God is working to, to, uh, to, to, tra- to transform the soul into the image of Christ. So by the renewing of the Holy Spirit, we poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Lord. So regeneration is being raised from the dead, And if you're in Christ, you've been raised from the dead. Secondarily, he reveals Christ to us and in us. Jesus says this, speaking of the Holy Spirit, he will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said, he will take what is mine and declare it unto you. So Jesus, when he left, said, I'm leaving, but I've got another helper, another of the same kind that I'm going to share. He will be with you forever, and he's going to lead and direct you and guide you into all truth. And so the the point behind all that is he reveals, he makes Christ known to us. How many of you went to church semi-regularly before you really got born again? All right? Put your hand up high. Right? So for all that time, you went to church, but you weren't born again. You kind of knew who Jesus was. This is certainly true in my life as much. You knew who Jesus was, but you didn't have any, any real relationship with him. Right? You just knew that he lived a long time ago and that he was the son of God and that he died on the cross and all of that. But there was no real relationship because the Holy Spirit had not come upon you in that way to open up your understanding, to open your eyes, to go like, wow. I remember getting saved myself, being born again, and it's kind of like, how did I not see this? I went to Bible college. We, we, Lorraine and I started in Bible college. Well, we, we, I got saved in April of 78. We got married in July of 78, and we were in a holiness Bible college by September of 78. Quite a year, okay? And we're there, and I was doing a paper on, I was supposed to do a paper on church history, 1,500 words. 
And I thought, you know, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look into this Catholic Church because how, how am I getting this now when all those years I never got any of this? All those years I, was, I would go and I would be there and I, I, wasn't, I didn't reject it in any way, but I, it, it never made me born again. It never, it never had that effect, you know? And now all of a sudden I'm like, I'm all about, all about Jesus. And so I, I decided to do a paper on the Catholic Church. 1,500 words. Well, I was like well over 5,000 and still needed more. You know, th- th- there's quite a story there, folks. And, and if, you, if you have never researched the Catholic Church and you are a former Catholic, I would encourage you to do that. Seriously. I would encourage you to see because it is presented as one thing. The reality is something different in, in many situations. And I'm not trying to... I'm not trying to uh, denigrate the Catholic Church at all. But I'm just simply saying um, it, it, it is a very interesting thing to know what, what it's really been all about and also, and also what, um, uh, what its dogma is. So it takes the Holy Spirit to reveal Christ to us. You can be, we can get bogged down in religion forever and to learn the rules and learn the stories and learn the, all these things and, and, and go nowhere with it. But when the Holy Spirit comes into the picture and it's like he takes the blinders off and it's like, how did I not see this all my life? How did I not realize that this Jesus who I've been hearing about since I've been like a little kid is in fact God himself in human form? You know what I mean? It's like it it changes the whole picture from some religious story to a living reality. So the Holy Spirit is the one who does that. He brings the living reality of the resurrected Christ, the the Christ who is with us, the Christ in us, the hope of glory. That Jesus, he brings to us and reveals him to us, and he also reveals him in us and through us. Okay, number three. He guides us into all truth. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. The spirit of God guides us into all truth. In, John, in 1 John chapter 4, I think Jamie was preaching about it not too long ago. Um, the word of God says, for you, have, uh, for you have no need of a teacher, for you have an anointing that dwells with you, and the anointing itself teaches you everything. Well, what do we mean by that? That's kind of interesting, and that's kind of religious language, right? The anointing that you have. But the anointing is that presence of the Holy Spirit that is on your life that mark of the Holy Spirit that is on your life. And the, and the reality of the presence of the Spirit of God in our lives brings uh, kind of like an internal, a, yeah, an internal bull feathers detector, <laughs> if I may. Okay? In other words, a person who has the spirit of truth, when you have the spirit of truth, that spirit of truth makes you sharp to discern afar off the things that are wrong, the things that are corrupt, the things that are destructive. You can see them 100 miles away and you don't have to go down that road. 
Lots of other people, they're going. You know, why is the, why, what is it? Why is the gate broad as the way that leads unto damnation or condemnation? And many there be that walk that walk, right? So, but that, that, that isn't us anymore because we have been given the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit guides us into truth after truth after truth. And when something is not true, there's something that goes off inside. When something is a fraud, when something is a cheat, when something is a con, when something is a scam, and our world is full of them. As a matter of fact, our world is that. A cheat, a scam, a con, it is a deception, top to bottom. It is a facade. This world is a facade. And when you try to really, like what's what's behind this? You find out that nothing, nothing really just some kind of an, an idle hope that there's real, something real down here. So when the Spirit of God is leading our lives, he is he's guiding us into all truth because he takes what, is, what belongs to the Lord and turn, gives it to us. I think I got a better handle on this thing. I, I, it's better, right? They're just popping up. You know what it is? I usually, uh, I usually add in there are transitions. And so you can, you can do like little transition things, like you can make it go, you know what I mean? Like come on the screen and all kinds of crap. But I think all that stuff is why I'm going like. So no more of that nonsense. He exalts Christ. What does the Holy Spirit do? He exalts Christ and instructs believers about him. Jesus said, he will glorify me for he'll take what is mine and declare it to you. Here again in the same portion of scripture. But when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. So the Holy Spirit exalts Christ and informs and instructs believers about him. One of the amazing things about the Trinity is that each member of the Trinity works to lift up the other member of the Trinity. They're all working in complete unity because they're all the same life, same spirit, same heart. All three are really one, but working in three different manifestations. And so when Jesus is here, Jesus is not seeking his own glory. He's seeking the glory of the Father. And that goes right to the, that, that goes right to the cross. He's seeking the glory of the Father. When the Holy Spirit then is poured out in our world, the Holy Spirit is not seeking his own glory. The Holy Spirit is seeking to glorify Jesus. That's why in you, in me, in all of us, there is a constant desire, if the Spirit of God is, is functioning and if we are, we are in touch with what the Spirit of God is doing, there is a constant upward pressure to glorify Jesus Christ, to honor Jesus Christ. If we did nothing else in this church except honor Jesus Christ, but honoring him by the way we treat each other and love each other and encourage each other and help each other, if that is our only goal, we will be just fine. We'll be just fine. So the Holy Spirit of God exalts Christ and instructs believers about him. Okay, he leads us, and we're back to our original text. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. So he leads us. He leads us in, a, in a, uh, an ongoing work of sanctification in which he points out the truth, um, reveals the reality of that truth to us, makes spiritual truth understandable and known to us, and then leads us away from the things that are destructive. Number six, 
He empowers us to be bold witnesses for Christ. He empowers us to be bold witnesses for Christ. In uh, Acts chapter, or no, at the end of Luke, it says, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And then in Acts chapter one and verse eight, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So the, the, when Jesus is speaking of the Holy Spirit, he is making it very clear that the Holy Spirit is gonna give dynamic power for primarily for us to be witnesses of the Lord Jesus in this world. Sometimes there are some reservations to get past, some inhibitions, some, you know, some, the fear of man kind of a thing. But the Holy Spirit is upon us so that we can, that we can, we can share with the lost world the reality of the saving work of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he empowers us to be bold witnesses for Christ. The Spirit of God teaches us to pray. He says, but you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, and praying in the Holy Spirit, Jude 1.20. Building yourself up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is teaching us how to actually seek God. Next verse of scripture says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So the Spirit of God is available to us to help us in, our, in, in prayer to be able to target the things that are important. But I think it's really interesting that he uses that phrase with groanings too deep for words. Like what does this mean? Have, have, you ever, have you ever just been so burdened by a problem or by a struggle or by uh, something that is, is like just overwhelming you that all you can do is, uh, I feel like I'm there about like 20 hours a day. Uh, uh, so yeah, sometimes I realize it's just me being a complainer. That's true. But there are, there are times when there aren't words for the things that just, they're like mountains and, they, and you can't seem to move them. You can't seem to affect the picture in any way. And when you come before the Lord, you've already asked 30 times for this or that or the other thing to change and it hasn't changed and you just feel this, oh, oh God. You know something? That's praying. It doesn't sound like praying, doesn't seem, we, we would expect praying to be, you know, Pastor Steve gets up and says this beautifully eloquent, you know, powerful words of prayer, like, no, no, no. God, God is looking for the reality of the depth of the burden that is on our heart for the lost person, bless you, or for the needy person, for the broken, or whatever it may happen to be, for the situation that doesn't ever seem to change. So, the Spirit of God helps us by teaching us how to pray. Did we go through that? Yeah. He produces in us the fruit of his work and presence. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, 
goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. The Spirit of God produces in us the evidence of his presence, the evidence of his working, because out of, out of these lives, all of a sudden there, there, is, there is a joy unspeakable and full of glory. Your life can be a nightmare. You're, you can have all kinds of problems. There is still, deep down on the inside, a joy unspeakable and full of glory because I know that whatever's coming down here in this present world, it is not the end of anything. Nothing's over down here. It'll only be over when we stand before the Lord, and in the meantime, God works all things together for good to those who love him and who are the called according to his purposes. Is that cliche? No. It is not cliche. It can feel like cliche when you're going through a hard time, you're like, God works all things together for good. It can feel like that, but it is not. Because God is actively, the Holy Spirit of God is actively working to oversee, to direct, to cause things that are painful and frustrating and get you angry and get you upset and feel like I've just kind of like, just waylaid you off the path. He will cause every one of those things in the long run to bring forth something valuable in your growth in Jesus Christ. And that's what it means. That's what that verse of scripture is all about anyway because he says, God works all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Um, boo. Uh, because, what is it? Yeah, that's right. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestine to be conformed to the image of his son. That's where the scripture applies because when I'm going through tough times, I've got an opportunity to be conformed to the image of the son of God who didn't beef and grumble and gripe and kvetch even when he went to the cross, right? right? But even, it's who, it actually scripture says, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is now sat down at the right hand of the, of the majesty on high. And he goes on to say, yes, consider him. So the idea is that the, the spirit of God produces these things and they, and they are most present or most obvious in times of difficulty and in times of testing. Okay, better move on here. The Spirit of God knows the deep things of God and reveals them to us. But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. Now we have received, not the spirit of the world. Whoops. Ah, there we go. Now we have received, not the spirit, uh, now we have received, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. So the spirit of God is working to take all, all, that, all that God has for us and to reveal it and make it known. And it's just an ongoing process of it, a part of that process, because, because there is a, a necessity of cooperation on our part. In other words, you can't be sitting around watching TV all day and, have, and, and then be bearing wonderful spiritual fruit. It takes time to enter into this relationship, to, to, to do what relationships need done, right? No relationship can ever success, be a success or thrive when there's no 
communication. There's no talking. There's no interaction. That relationship is on its way out. Okay? It requires that. And so our relationship with God requires that same thing. I, I had somebody say to me um, a couple of weeks ago, well, I'm, I'm just talking to the air. That's somebody I really love. Why pray? I'm just talking to the air. And that needs to be corrected. You, it, because the problem with that person's testimony is they never get into the book. Because the book is where God's talking to me. And prayer is where I'm talking to him. But I need my prayers to be connected to the book so that, they can, so that I'm, I'm praying for things that I can discern are part of the heart of God that he wants to address. So it's, it's, it, ha, it has, it has a, a cooperative aspect that I have to be involved, engaged in this whole process. And that if I'm engaged in this whole process, we receive the, the spirit of God who makes known to us the deep things um, that have been freely given to us, the deep things of God that have been freely given to us by God. And number 10, he distributes spiritual gifts and manifestations to and through the body or the body of Christ. There are diversities. This is where Pastor Joe was at last week. There are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There are diversities of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. And then because I couldn't just, I couldn't be happy with 10. I got to jump that bar. He brings unity and peace to the body of Christ. Uh, Endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. And because I really couldn't resist, he bears witness um, in us that we are the children of God. He anoints us for ministry. He seals us unto the day of redemption. He sets us free from the law of sin and death. He transforms us into the image of Christ. He gives us access to God the Father. Is that enough? No. (laughs) Lisa Kessler, you've always been a, a heckler and a naysayer. It's 30 years the, the point this morning is just simply everything is hinging up on the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. Everything. Because he's the guy who, who initiated it. Oh, by the way, um, God's pronouns are he and him. In case anybody was wondering about that. Just I throw that in for free, okay? But the Holy Spirit is the active, the active agent behind everything that's going on in our life. So it is so important for us to desire more of his working and his presence in our life. And that brings us to the place where we say, God, I, 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 don't, I don't know. Like the spirit of God is the most difficult, most abstract. I can, I can understand the father. Okay, fathers, I'm, fathers all over the place. Son, yeah, I get that. Spirit, Right, it's just, it has that kind of abstract, amorphous kind of thing. So it's, it is necessary for us to get in and say, just teach me and show me and let me know when I'm actually hearing your voice and not just my own head talking back to me or just things that are wafting through my own mind. Because that's something, 
I, I can tell you one thing I have learned when I think I'm hearing from God, I will check myself before I wreck myself. And I will check myself by taking what I believe God is saying to me and I'll bring it to peers. No, I'd bring it to Pastor Joe. For sure, right? It's one of the blessings of having a seasoned ministry man in the mix. I'll bring it to the elders. The elders of this church are great men, strong in the Lord. You know, all those people can be used to, to test the things that we are believing that God is speaking to us to put them to the test so that we don't just do something ridiculously half-cocked and stupid and not spiritual. So, in, in <clears throat> but it's, it's a trained, it's a cultivated art, so to speak. And I have found that I'm very, it's very easy for me to get it wrong. And I have. Fortunately, not in any just terribly destructive way. You know, I didn't lead anybody to you know, Jonestown or something like that over the years. You know, we, have, we haven't had craziness like that. Yes, thank you. For, not yet, anyway. You know, and if, if, we, if Jonestown comes up, you know, if I, if I start coming in with the shades on, you might want to have, you might want to talk to the elders and find out what's going on. Anyway, we're out of time here this morning. But I, I'm saying all this to say that we, we, should be, we should be seeking to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is the, he's the game changer. He's the one that's making this all happen. And the more we can present ourselves before him and the more we can get acclimated and trained, that's the way to see it. It's training. It's training like it took you guys to train to do music like you do music. And it, it, it takes, you know, other people can, there are people in here that can fix cars like crazy, incredible. You know, me, I'm a, I'm a nightmare underneath a car. And it's a nightmare for me under a car. But there, it, it takes training in every different thing. And it takes training with this. And so we should ascribe ourselves and take time to present ourselves before the Lord, seeking the Spirit of God, asking the Lord to fill us with his life, with his power, with his gifts, with his ministries, with the whole package, so that we can be as, as equipped as possible to serve the Lord while we are here. We're not going to be here that long. It's going fast. So we want to be as equipped as possible. Let's, let's wait on the Spirit for a minute or two or three, okay, shall we?